Hey guys, just before we start the episode today, I would like to say that today's episode is part of a small series that me and Mr. Jack decided to record about the best airport and airplane tips. I hope you find the series useful. Hey, hello. Welcome to the Nomad Tactics Podcast. Here we provide a complete how-to guide for digital nomads. I'm your host, B, and I'm joined by the co-host, Mr. Jack. Today, we're going to talk about the best airport and airplane tips, part two. I will start with a quick summary of the episode. First, me and Jack are going to talk about exactly what is the aim of today's episode. After that, we're going to contextualize the topic within our digital nomad life system. Then we're going to provide some quick clarifications regarding the episode. And finally, we're going to provide 15 tips to do with airports and airplanes. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So, hello, Mr. B. Hello, Jack. So, as the title of this episode already tells, in this episode, we are going to provide you with a comprehensive list of all the best tips and tricks about airplanes and airports. Yeah, that's right. And we decided to do this as a mini-series, which means that we won't provide all the tips in this episode, rather we will divide into a number of different episodes, five or six perhaps, in order to try to keep the episode under 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Let's see. Yeah, I think as usual, we should put this topic into our digital nomad life system. And for people who don't know what the digital nomad life system is, it is a six-step system that aims to help people going from a non-nomadic lifestyle into a optimized digital nomad life. So, Mr. B, where would you put this topic into which step of the system? So, as you can probably guess, today's topic going to be placed on the departing process step. And this departing process step can be understood as all the things that a digital nomad needs to do just before or during the actual period in which he's leaving his current base to guarantee a smooth departure and transition to his new base, i.e. the new city in which he's going to be living in. So, of course, we place this topic within this step of our system because airports and airplanes is something that you're going to deal with when you are departing from a place to go to the next place. So it's quite obvious there. Yeah, so Mr. B, before we go into the exact tips, uh, as usual, I think you have some clarification you want to make. Yeah, that's right. So just a few quick things I'd like to say. In today's episode, we're going to provide 15 tips, but there is no 
let's say, logical order for when I'm presenting those. So perhaps I'm going to start with an airplane tip, then I'm going to go to an airport tip, and then I'm going to go back to an airplane tip. So don't try to see a coherence in the order of things. Another thing I would like to say is that, as Mr. Jack said, the aim of this miniseries is to provide you with a comprehensive list. It's very likely, especially if you are already somewhat an experienced digital nomad, that you already heard some of the things that we are about to say. Having said that, this can be, let's say, a good memory refresher if you are an expert nomad. Perhaps you heard about the tip before, but you kind of forgot, and now you're going to uh, recall those. But also, I think that we came up or we researched some very unique things that I haven't seen many people talking about online. So I'm pretty sure that in every episode, there will be at least one or two tips that will be new to you, even if you're an experienced digital nomad, because, you know, uh, this list I gather over, you know, quite a long period of time. Um, either by talking to different digital nomads, reading blogs uh, within the niche. And some of those I, I got by talking to cabin crew, which are kind of the, the experts on the area, one could argue. Finally, one last thing that I would like to say is that we're going to provide a lot of tips. And some of the tips that we might mention might be considered a little bit sneaky by some people. So, you know, people defer on terms of the kinds of things that they are okay doing or not. So I just would like to make it very clear that we at Nomad Tactics do not necessarily practice or endorse all of the steps. Nomad Tactics should not be responsible by the application of any of the information provided in today's episode because today's episode is for educational purposes only. So the first tip here is always choose the left line when you're passing through the security. So according to some research, the majority of people choose the right line when they are passing through security. And this is probably due to the fact that most people are right-handed. Therefore, there might be some kind of unconscious bias there that lead us to take the, the right side. Thus, by choosing the left line, it is, at least statistically speaking, more likely you will need to wait less since less people will pick this line and you're going to be able to pass through security faster. Yeah, that's a great tip for going faster through the security. So the second tip here is lift the armrest in the aisle seat. So usually, if you want to lift the armrest on the middle seat, it's going to be all right for both sides, right? On the other hand, if you are sitting on an IO seat, you will not be able to simply pull out the armrest, at least if we are talking about the armrest to the corridor rather than the one shared with the middle seat. That one should be fine, but I'm talking about the corridor one. So one thing that not many people are aware about is that there is actually a way to lift this specific armrest, the way in which you're going to do that is by spotting the hidden button underneath the very beginning of the armrest, by which I mean the part of the armrest that connects to the rest of the chair. By clicking such button and pulling the armrest up at the same time, you're going to be able to lift the armrest in most airplanes. And this is a good thing because this will give you 
a bit more leg space. So you're going to be more comfortable, especially when you're sleeping. So try out this tip. So the next tip here is check your passport hidden expiration date. We all know that passports have a quote-unquote official expiration date. What not many people are aware is that besides this official expiration date, there is somewhat an unofficial expiration date, or what I call it, the hidden expiration date for passports. And this is because most countries will not allow you to come in the country as a visitor if your passport is too close to the official expiration date. Usually, the rule of thumb here is six months. So your passport should be valid for at least six months in order for you to come in the country. That is why it is essential for you to check if your passport will in fact expire in the next six months or not in order to avoid any trouble with the immigration agent once you get to the destination airport. So the next tip is related to the pandemic. If you are concerned about COVID, be mindful about where you sit. So first and foremost, let's just clarify that, uh, at least right now, the consensus is that COVID is an airborne disease. Thus, it relates to the air you are breathing. Having that in mind, there are three tips that you can use in order to try to minimize uh, your chances of catching COVID on a plane. The first one has to do with booking a seat on the front of the plane rather than the back of the plane. This is because in most airplane models, the circulation of air goes from the front to the back. So by sitting on the front, you will be able to breathe quote-unquote cleaner air because it just passed through the filter. Also, another thing to be mindful about has to do with booking a window seat rather than a middle seat or an aisle seat. And once again, this has to do with the fact of how the air circulation within the airplane happens. And in most airplane models, the air goes from the window seat. It's like the clean air is expelled from gaps next to the window seat. Therefore, if you are sitting on the window seat, at least theoretically, you're going to be able to breathe cleaner air or just filter there. And finally, one last tip has to do with leaving the air vent on top of you open at all times. And this is because, once again, if you leave the air vent open, you're going to be receiving cleaner air. I see. So the next tip here is be mindful about what to do if your flight is canceled or overbooked. So in such circumstances, you should do two things. First, instead of only waiting to talk to the people at the airline counter at the airport to see what you need to do next or what you will get in terms of compensation, you should also call the airline hotline. Sometimes they can solve the issue quicker by calling the airline hotline since there won't be a huge line of people like in the airport. The second thing I'm going to suggest you is to request more than they initially will be offering you, both in terms of the perks they might offer you, like the free meals or, or even the money they might offer you for an overbooked flight or a canceled flight. The reason for that is because Initially, airlines tend to offer quite little to passengers in such occasions. But from my experience, if you push them just a little, they will provide you more. Yeah, that's a good way to get your time compensated. So the next tip here is bring candies to fly attendants. So this tip might sound a little bit funny the first time you hear. 
but trust me, I tried a couple of times and it works. If you simply give candy to the flight attendant, most likely you will get a much better treatment throughout the whole flight. Sure, there is nothing special about candy, and in theory, you could give any small gift to them. The reason why I suggest giving candy is because it's something very small, so easy to carry, and almost everyone will accept it. So you can be kind of really casual about it, like by having the candy package in your hand, as like you're taking a candy yourself when the flight attendant is serving food. When she's passing by, you can simply say something like, oh, you seem to be having a really busy day. Take one and offer the candy. It's a really good candy from my home country or anything along those lines. Trust me, once you do that, you're going to get much better service throughout the whole flight and perhaps even some extra perks. Best of all is that even if for some reason they refuse the candy, most likely you're still going to get the better treatment simply due to the fact that you offered in the first place and that's not very common to them and due to reciprocity, they might, you know, offer more things to you. So the next tip here is use a cheap, non-TSA-approved lock for your bags. So this might sound counterintuitive, considering advice that you might have received previously. Usually people will tell you to buy a TSA-approved lock for your luggage. Thus, if someone wants to check what is inside, they will not break the lock since they're going to have this special key to open it. I would argue that this is not such a good idea for a couple of reasons. First, they do not check luggages all that often. You do not need to worry about breaking many non-TSA-approved locks. Second, non-TSA-approved locks tend to be cheap. So even if they break one, it won't be very expensive to replace it. And third, what I heard is that many criminals nowadays also have access to these special keys that allow them to open TSA locks. I rather know if someone opened my bag or not in the first place. The only way in which you're going to know if someone opened your bag or not is if you use a non-TSA lock, because in order to open such lock, they're going to need to break in the first place. Therefore, when you get your luggage, you, you won't have a lock anymore. And of course, I'm disregarding the chance of the person picking the lock, since this is a very unlikely thing to happen. So the next tip here is be careful with where you charge your phone in the airport. So sometimes in airports, you might see these phone charging stations. Even though this seemed to be very convenient, there were already reported a number of incidents where instead of simply charging your phone, these phone charging devices were used to also collect user data once you plug the phone into it. So the advice here is instead of using such devices to charge your phone, use your own power bank if possible. Alternatively, you can plug your charger directly into the airport socket and this will be also safe. So the next tip here is you probably should not buy SIM card in the airport. So there are many ways in which a digital nomad might acquire a phone number and or data while he's traveling. One of such ways is by buying a local SIM card in the different country he goes. In fact, we're going to cover in a future episode all the options available to digital nomads regarding this matter. Anyway, usually, if you buy a SIM card in the airport, this will be overcharged and you won't get the best conditions for SIM cards. You can get a much better deal in the city center of your destination. 
Granted that there are of course some exceptions to the rule where either you cannot get a SIM card anywhere else except the airport or the airport SIM card is the best deal you can get. South Korea is an example of this latter case where usually you can get better deals in the airport compared to the city center. So the next tip here is download the country-specific apps before you get into your flight. So back on episode number four, we talked about the things you should check before you move to a new base as a digital nomad. Among the different things that I talked about in that episode, I mentioned that one of the things you should check are the so-called most commonly used apps in the new country. At the very least, in terms of the transportation app, for example, Uber, Lyft, Grab, and communication apps like WhatsApp, WeChat, Viber, or Talk. So basically, the idea here, you should figure out which app is the standard one in this new country. The reason why you should download these apps before you get into your flight is because in order to use some of these apps, you will need to activate it using a phone number. Yet, if you follow the other tip in which we gave in this episode, you will likely not get a local SIM card in the airport. Therefore, you won't be able to do this type of activation then and there. The reason why this might be a problem is because, say, you get to your destination airport and you find out that instead of using Uber in the country, they use Grab more frequently. But the problem is if you haven't downloaded Grab in the first place and registered, you're not going to be able to do it there because, as we said, you won't have a local SIM card. Therefore, you won't be able to activate the app. On the other hand, if you activate the app in the first place while you're still in the previous country, you will be able to use the app once you get to your destination country with no problem. So the next tip here is take a photo of your luggage receipt. So in the last episode, I said that you should take a photo of the luggage itself. In today's episode, my tip is kind of related to that, and it is simply to take a photo of the checked luggage receipt you're going to receive once you're checking in. The reason why it is important to take a photo of your luggage receipt is because, once again, if something happens to your luggage, say if it is lost or if it ends up in the wrong airport, you will speed up the process to recover it. Also, by having the photo of the luggage receipt, you will be able to file a complaint with your credit card for lost luggage much easier. Yeah, that's a good way to speed up the process. So the next tip here is use the lost and found center in the airport. Most countries have a lost and found counter or section in the airport. What many people are not aware is that in some countries, if you go to the lost and founds area, you can ask to borrow items there. Typically, they will borrow you things if the thing was there and was not claimed for 90 days. This is especially useful if you need a power bank, a charger, or even wired headphones. Best of all is that some airports, they have this policy where not only they're going to borrow you, but they're going to actually let you stay with the item if, as I said, it was not claimed for the previous 90 days. Yeah, that's a good way to get your power bank. So the next tip here is, if you are late, tell the staff at the airport. 
So if you're truly late to your flight, one thing that I have done numerous times, and it truly works, is to tell the staff at the airport that you are late and prove to them by showing your ticket. In many instances, they will allow you to jump lines, get into the fast track line without paying for it, or even they're going to, you know, put you into the funny golf cart that you can see on airports to take you to your gate faster. So the next tip here is consider requesting one of the special meals provided by the airline. So in this instance, it doesn't really matter if you go for the vegetarian meal, the vegan meal, gluten-free meal, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But there are two reasons why perhaps you should consider requesting these special meals. The first reason is that these tend to be of a higher quality in most airlines due to the fact that these are not mass-produced like the conventional meals. So according to other digital nomads and travelers generally, if you order the special meals, you're going to get something slightly better. The second reason why you might want to request that is because most likely you're going to get served first. Before they start serving the conventional meals, usually they provide the special meals. So the last tip here is bring conventional wired headphones when you fly. More and more people nowadays switch it from these wired headphones into Bluetooth headphones. And even though these latter ones are great, I would still advise people to bring their own wired headphones every time they fly. A couple of reasons for that. First, these are small, so they won't take much space in your luggage. So there's really no problem bringing this additional pair of headphones. Second, the quality and the comfort levels of the headphones provided by airlines in economic class tend to be really bad. So you will be much better off with your own wired headphones if compared to the ones provided by the airline. And third, and perhaps most importantly, in some airlines nowadays, especially budget airlines, you will need to pay in order to get access to headphones. You can easily cut out this expense by bringing your own wired headphone. So yeah, this is the end of part two of airport and airplane tips. If you like this episode, please make sure to leave a review on your listening platform. This is Jack, and thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.